to um, go, but do keep your uh, keep your tweets coming. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, time to go to uh, Latin America. Our man in uh, Mexico is John Bonfilio, and I can hear the I can hear the wildlife there. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the jungle. It's beautiful. Uh, I've them out today. <laughs> yeah, good man. You're in uh, southern Mexico, but you can talk about affairs uh, throughout uh, Latin America, John. What, what's your own uh, personal situation? I know uh, as far as the coronavirus goes, it's sort of calming down here in the UK. We've gone from a, a level four of danger now to a level three of danger, which is uh, good for us. There are a lot fewer cases. But when I look at the numbers around the world, uh, Latin America is uh, suffering rather badly at the moment. It is the, the, the epicenter, according to the WHO, and Brazil is obviously the highest um, registered figures in the epicenter of the epicenter. As regards Mexico, where I am at the moment, the funny thing about Mexico is it's probably sort of third or fourth on the chart of confirmed cases. But if you look at the re- 2% to 5%, but Mexico, remarkably, uh, in a standalone context, has a 12% um, death rate in terms of coronavirus, which is way above any of the of the other countries, um, and lots of them are spiralling out of control. At the moment, Peru now 250,000 confirmed cases, Chile 230,000 confirmed cases, a spike now in Argentina as well. But yeah, the top top of the pile. The main news story is Tuesday registered a record 35,000 cases in a 24-hour period, and just yesterday. Uh, trumped that with 54,000 cases confirmed in a 24-hour period. God, it's, it's bad. It's bad there. And then I also noticed that the uh, the Argentinian president is actually uh, self-isolating, isn't he? Having um, having been tested positive uh, for coronavirus, President Fernandez. Yeah, there's a number of high-ranking officials in in Argentina that um, that have tested positive and have browned, obviously the you know the echelons of power. So. Um, they're all now in self-imposed uh, mm. quarantine. Argentina's managed to keep a lid on things really pretty well, um, early lockdowns and so on, up until about a week ago. Um, and then there's been a couple of cases there where, uh, with with mass contagions, and so the the spike there very much is 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 happening at the moment. But as as we've said on your program before, you know, in the absence of um, of a cure or a vaccine, to some extent, you know, whether weak. The fact is it's still a very live uh, a live situation and obviously in parallel as well, which we've also discussed. But you've also got the economic crisis, which is taking place in parallel to the coronavirus crisis. And in a Latin American context where the economies um, start from a much lower base, I mean, Peru year on year in April had a 40 percent fall, 40 percent fall year on year in its economic uh, figures because of the coronavirus lockdown. I mean, how countries and some, and you know, your, your average man and woman on the street survive that. I mean, it's just not, it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, another story that uh, that interests me. We used to have an old joke uh, in the UK when you'd be you'd be in a pub and you'd get a cottage pie or you know shepherd's pie, something like that, with with minced beef in it, supposedly, and you find the beef was a bit tough, and people would turn around and say, "Oh, I wondered what happened to Shergar." Uh, well, this is a, this is the people used to say that as a joke in the UK, but something similar has actually happened in Venezuela. Yeah, happened to uh, Venezuela's most famous racehorse called Ocean Bay, which won eight out of 15 races that it ever uh, participated in. Uh, and I guess no no surprise, really, in the sense that 
I mean, obviously, we know that Venezuela has been struggling for a long time now, and actually, the trade in horse meat um, has really picked up over the course of the last two or three years. It seems now in Venezuela that there is organised crime that is not just picking up um, horses or famous horses, but also deliberately kidnapping them to try and get ransoms and then when that doesn't happen because obviously nobody has money to pay ransoms in Venezuela then they'll uh, take the horse for me and that's what's taken place with um, with Ocean Bay in, in Venezuela in a town just a little bit south of Caracas and not the first horse out of those stables that this has happened to um, Ocean Bay's mother a few months ago was similarly uh, kidnapped and then um, and then butchered, literally butchered for, for horse meat. I guess the, the, the point in Venezuela, which is why the, you know, the reason why it's come to, to, to international, to the international news headlines is not just because it's horrific and because of the, um, the famous nature of the horse and how that tells the story, but, but also how many different ways can you tell the story of, of a, of a failed state and a horrific situation that's taking place in Venezuela, and I think this is a new, you know, an entry point, new entry point into telling those stories. I mean, in the past, we've, you know, we've spoken about oil, we've spoken about a million children being abandoned, etc. So this is a new entry point into um, uh, letting people get a handle on the on the incredible nature of the difficulty of the situation in in Venezuela as we speak, and which has been going on for a few years, and which which is, you know, whichever way it plays out, is not going to end tomorrow. No, absolutely not. But something's got to happen sooner or later because, you know, we, we just every story you get from Venezuela, it, you just, you know, you shudder and you think, what, how is it going to end? You know, how really, I mean, and we've got uh, uh, corruption there as well. Um, Venezuela's Supreme Court has ousted the leaders of two key opposition parties. You know, the Supreme Court, they're loyal to uh, President Nicolas uh, Maduro. Um, and they're actually getting rid of uh, the leaders of opposition parties, and there's going to be elections. What's, what's happening there? Yeah, I mean, there is uh, no independent judiciary to speak of in Venezuela. I think it is worth um, contextualising that across Latin America, uh, judiciaries are on the whole independent and, you know, follow rules and regulations um but but in venezuela the the, the powers have be co-opted you know all levels of the judiciary um a while ago there are parliamentary elections uh due at some point later on this year they've not been announced yet um and the the senate is the only body the only legislating body that is not in the hands of maduro it's uh the speaker is juan guaido is uh, maduro's main opposition uh, obviously I guess, um, individual, um, and the Supreme Court removed the heads of two main uh, opposition parties earlier on this week and replaced them with individuals who's, who had previously been expelled by those parties for being in hock with Maduro. So the Supreme Court has put those individuals back in charge of those party, parties and Maduro is essentially leaving nothing to chance in terms of you know what may take place at the ballot box in terms of continuing his his stranglehold on on power i think this sort of speaks to like often we think of you know rigging of elections and um and doctoring at the ballot box etc these things is that any uh rigging that takes place tends not to happen on the day of an election certainly not in latin america it's all of the processes that lead up to it and that build up to it which generate um a structure and a state of play which means that by the time you get to election day there's only one winner that's that's going to come out
Yeah, and and Brazil as well. I mean, we're used to corruption in Brazil. Uh, Bolsonaro has um, accused the Supreme Court of being uh, abusive. Um, he's trying to appoint his, his own people uh, to key positions of the federal police. And um, he says that, um, you know, that, that fake news is being spread for political advantage. And, uh, uh, you know, fears are growing there, growing in Brazil, aren't they, over his threats? Yeah, and we've spoken about the similarities between Bolsonaro and Trump before. And basically, you can just, you know, exchange the names um, in the headlines. I mean, only this week as well, Trump said, oh, the Supreme Court doesn't like me very much. And it's exactly the same case in in Brazil. Two current live investigations by the Supreme Court now into Bolsonaro in terms of fake news, uh, dissemination of fake news by Bolsonaro's um, allies, and also um, abuse of power in terms of uh, Bolsonaro wanting to replace the the police chief in Rio who was investigating surprise surprise his sons for the dissemination of, of fake news and obviously in and amongst this context there is the horrific situation contextually taking place in terms of coronavirus in um, in Brazil the Washington office for Latin America came up with a great quote this week they said that Bolsonaro wins the international top prize for the most disastrous combination of denial and inaction uh, internationally. Wow. So he's beaten Trump in that. So uh, well, well done, <laughs> yeah. Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro. Amazing. Uh, it's I, a hell of a competition. Hell of a competition, isn't it? Another thing that I uh, I read, John, was um, that in Mexico, where you are, uh, a judge has been uh, shot dead. And uh, this was, uh, I suppose, a drug cartel shooting. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say that this is a, um, a one-off situation, but politicians and um, heads of the police and judges um, being um, shot at across the country is and killed is no uh, you know surprising experience and partly it's obviously um kickback for for specific things that are taking place but it's also fear and intimidation so that i mean journalists is another um you know area and industry that is massively affected in in this in this context and the thing is that even if you try and keep your head down as a as a judge or a politician or a journalist or whatever say for the sake of argument um, and you don't get involved with cartel x in terms of outing them, that's automatically going to annoy Cartel Y, um, who are going to by even not, you know, not lifting your head above the parapet. You can really get away with, you know, with not ruffling some feathers. And mm. the ruffling of feathers here tends to, you know, pr be pr a pretty extreme, lead to pretty extreme reactions. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder why it was just one paragraph. You know, I thought this would be quite an extreme story. But it is just one paragraph already. I think it was today's paper, actually. Uh, it just said well, yesterday's paper. A judge has been shot dead alongside his wife in front of their daughters, aged three and seven. It sounded fairly horrific. Gail Viegas, um, he'd been handling cases linked to a drug cartel. Um, it did say in the, in the, in this that, uh, you know, these shootings do happen on a regular basis. But the killing of federal judges actually relatively rare in Mexico. Um, and this was um, in the Pacific Coast state of Colima, um, which has the country's highest murder rate. Is that anywhere near you, Colima? No, we're, I'm, I'm in the southeast, and Colima's in the, um, in the uh, further, way further up. And for sure, there are more problems with with cartels and um, 
the, the closer you get to the to the USA for, for obvious reasons here. There tend to be transit points and then specifically in places like Cancun is where there's a there's a, an actual drugs market that uh, the cartels are, are competing for, but it's not um, about the vast amounts of trade that are going up to, to the US. Notwithstanding, uh, Andrés Manuel López Obrador today, the president of Mexico, said that he had, um, I don't know whether you remember a few months ago, but um, one of El Chapo Guzmán's sons um, had been temporarily arrested and held uh, in, in his hometown. And it led to hundreds, literally hundreds of sicarios of, of narcos coming down out of the hills and, and setting fires to the town, etc. And AMLO admitted today for the first time that it was his qualities that uh, encouraged the release of, of El Chapo Guzmán's um, uh, from, from arrest. Yeah. Well, um, uh, thank you ever so much for keeping us up to date with what's going on in your part of the world. Um, and given everything that's going on, I have to say, stay safe, John. God's sake, stay safe. Uh, and hopefully we can talk to you again next week. Brilliant. Take care, Martin. Good man. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, John Bonfilio there joining us from uh, from southern uh, Mexico. Uh, very good morning.